0: This is Battleground PA, a Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in the Keystone State and beyond that could shape how you vote in the 2024 elections.
1: Hello, 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 everyone. I am delighted to be here with you. I am Joyce Davis, Live's outreach and opinion editor. And guess what? We're coming to you with a 2024 version of of Battleground PA and I think you know the two people who are with me on this camera Rajat Harris and Jeffrey Lord. Hello guys, how are you doing? Good.
2: Present accounted
1: for. guy. Well, that that is excellent. So look, guys, we we're reuniting after you know, like a period of years, 3 years and we're getting ready for another Battleground in Pennsylvania.
2: Is and there an election this year, Joyce?
1: I don't know. That's what we're going to have to talk about and try to figure it out. But but let me let our, our listeners and our viewers know who you are. I need to just lift you up because you two are really, really... Um, you're just important figures in our community. And, and and so, Rajette Harris is the chairwoman of the Dauphin County Democrats. She's becoming a young legend in her own right, an analyst par excellence, and she goes toe-to-toe with this experienced, highly acclaimed national analyst called Jeffrey Lord, who we have come to actually quite highly respect and uh, consider a friend. So, that gets us started. The mood we want. Am I wrong about this? We are all friends trying to debate the issues.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I we we are. You know, sometimes I think Americans lose track of this, but we are so blessed yeah. to be in the country we are in, where you can do this. There are countries where this is not allowed.
1: And we need to do Absolutely. this more right. often. Absolutely right, Rajat and Jeff. So let's let's get started. I mean, we want to uh, we only have a little bit of time, so we're going to dive right into it. Remember how it went last year? And that's because Pennsylvania was so it was a battleground. And so my question to you is help us understand, help our viewers and listeners understand why Pennsylvania is still important in 2024. You want to take it first, Jeffrey?
2: Well, we're the fifth largest state in the Union. And uh, it is a a microcosm of different parts of American society. Uh, I I, I know that most people who don't live in Pennsylvania think of it as Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And in point of fact, one of the things I've learned when I worked for Senator John Hines is that in the space between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and, and going north and south, we have the the most farmland in the United States. Wow. That was or or close to it. That was, that was news to me, which is why uh, it was important to have members of Congress, Pennsylvania members of Congress on the Senate or House agriculture committee um, because, you know, they, they had to deal with these things. And when I worked for Congressman Bud Schuster, you know, I would go around with him. he had nine and a half counties in his district, almost all of them rural. And wow, I, I, go with him and we'd, we'd go to somebody's dairy farm and I'd uh, learn a little bit about how to milk a cow. I mean, you know, decidedly, <laughs> decidedly, not the kind of things you learn in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Let's bring Rajat into this. Rajat, I mean, why is Pennsylvania important? Why? Well, first, the size. Um, we have
0: 19 electoral votes, uh, very covered in, you know, often where goes Pennsylvania goes the presidency election. Um, But also, you know, Pennsylvania really represents the country in a sense that we have rural, uh, suburban, and um, urban areas. Uh, So you have to appeal to different types of voters to win this state. Um, And also— And it uh,
1: is a battleground.
0: Yes, it's a battleground. And we also have some very competitive congressional races. You know, the Republicans want to keep the House of Representatives. as Democrats want to reclaim it. Um, so we have some seats in the state uh, that that could help flip flip that. Um, so you know it's important for
1: for those reasons. So we'll be duking it out here basically every week uh, uh, to try to bring some clarity to some of the issues that we're facing. I just want to tell our listeners and viewers that primarily, Rajat and Jeff are going to be our anchor, you know, hosts, our anchor uh, analysts. But we're going to bring in some others from time to time. We have a young man named John Cole, who is a good analyst, I think a young uh, up-and-coming um, um, kind of pundit. And we have another young man named Charles Elway, who is with Real Clear Pennsylvania and I think a subsidiary of Real Clear Politics who offers a conservative point of view. So we're going to bring them in from time to time to liven things up as well. But let let, let me Talk to you again like I mean we went through this we all we basically joined hands and and throughout the 2020 election season and I'm wondering you know it was it was it was a chaotic time and and frankly a lot of us were worried that um it wouldn't end well and that it didn't end well there in fact I have a a comment here from one of our listeners who uh, one of our readers who says as someone with a family member in the service, I worry that someone who stores government papers in his bathroom and ballroom puts her life in danger. where is the Russian binder that is missing? Can someone answer that question? Why isn't anyone in the media asking former President Trump about all these documents why did he move them? she goes on and on now that's the concern that many people have. What what we now know. So, Jeffrey, I'm going to let you answer her question and and talk and
2: talk about this. I confess I do think there was a bit of a partisan divide on this. Um, Of course, President Biden legendarily had those kind of papers dating from his Senate days through his vice presidency stored in his garage next to his uh, treasured Corvette. Uh, I I don't think that that's uh, very much safer than somebody's bathroom in that sense. But I I will say this, just presidents of the United States, whomever they may be, tend to regard these papers and they are sort of proprietary about them. And it has become the fashion since, uh, I believe I'm right about this historically, since Herbert Hoover, to start what what we now know as a presidential library. And the documents get farmed out to the National Archives, but sometimes they show up in other places you know the presidents hang on to them when they go home to wherever home may be so i don't think it's all that uh unusual but i do think you know we need to get it straightened out so that we don't have this problem again
1: yeah i can i would assume that you're not thinking it's just okay <laughs> Top no, no 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 flowing no all around no.
2: As, as a history buff uh what you know, my papers are, uh, you know, and I was just a staff guy in the a political party yep, yep. of the Reagan White House. My papers are in the Reagan Library.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, which which is run by the Archives of the United States. Well, so that's
1: because you're a good, responsible guy who, who would be a good president, I think. But let let me bring Richette in here. Richette, don't work that on were... me.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Let's, uh, let's let's
2: the other point of view. it
1: it's been
0: a while. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been know, saving it for you, <laughs> yes. Uh, We can't forget that President Trump was trying to declassify a lot of the forms, I believe, uh, your reading, your reader was speaking of. And we also can't forget that the former president is about to answer for 91 counts. Some of those counts have to do with papers and materials that uh, were found at his home. Um, after he was no longer president. So I do believe the president will have the former president will have to answer for these for this. We just have to wait. Um, why it hasn't been reported a lot in the media. Uh, even the Biden administration hasn't been uh, speaking on this much. So we don't know what's in the information. Maybe it shouldn't be made you known for the public. Um, but I, I think we have to trust the process and
1: uh, see it through. All right, well, the, the point is is that there's a lot of baggage that we have entering into 2024. Um, things left over from 2020. and and uh, the, the other thing that we really are going to need to figure out and I remember Jeffrey and Rajette, we were talking on January 6 when everything happened. What is the, what will be the repercussions of that on 2020? I mean, I know some people say it was a peaceful demonstration others say it was the end of the world for the United States. So the truth is somewhere in between, but talk about how you think January 6th is going to impact 2024.
2: Jeff, you want to go first? Well, in the in the long range, I I really don't think it will. I mean, I I think that uh you know, one of the sort of relatively new issues has been around for a while, but it's gotten so much worse that I is is it, it, as I understand it is now popping up in the polls is uh the border the southern border and uh, immigration and seeing these television pictures of thousands of people swarming the U.S border I think a hot button issue like that or of course the old standby D- James Carble's favorite line it's the economy's stupid uh yeah I think that that
1: well, I have to tell you when I'm looking at it, the economy numbers look pretty good I mean honestly Roget, I mean you want to chime in here on that one well, just real quick,
0: though, uh, January 6th has already, we've already seen the effects of January 6th. Uh, Democrats have done very well over the past couple election cycles, particularly in 2022. Election denying candidates, insurrectionalists, they have not won. Uh, candidates that former President Trump have endorsed overall have not won. So, people who have that mindset of January 6th have not been winning thus far. So, I think we're already seeing the effects of January 6th, and I think we're going to
1: continue to see the
0: effects of that uh, this year.
1: Now, Jeffrey, you're still, I'm sure you're still supporting President uh, Trump, are you? Or are you uh, supporting one of the other potential Republican nominees?
2: No, I am. And uh, off the record, we are off the record, I choice.
1: Only for a million
2: people. I don't know. I, I got a note from him today. So okay. uh, uh, Yes, to I am still what very is he doing?
1: What, what, what was he What did the president, former president say?
2: Well, he saw something that I had written. Oh. He just sent me an affectionate note, uh, okay. you know, underlined and all this with his signature and all of this kind of thing. I, got them, I get them periodically. But I think of him, I'm, I'm very privileged to count him as a friend. Uh, you know, when I was taking care of my late mom, he would check in on me. Uh, That's I mean, you know, he's a very thoughtful, thoughtful guy. So but this is I, I mean, I've been through this presidential thing below. And, and I'll tell you one story, which I did, you know, throttle me if I've told this before. But in 1956, I, I grew up in Massachusetts. And in 1956, when I was <clears throat> five years old, um, the race for president was between Dwight Eisenhower, the incumbent president, Republican, and Adlai Stevenson, the Democrat. And in the day, the famous artist, Norman Rockwell, would, uh, he, he was an artist for the Saturday Evening Post. Every four years, he would do a portrait of both candidates, you know, one one week and the other the next. So uh, my kindergarten teacher cut them out, put them on, uh, put Eisenhower on uh, yellow construction paper with a little pocket and Stevenson on red paper with a little pocket. And then we kindergartners had to learn how to vote and put something. Well, when we were done and school was done for the day, my father picked me up. He was the Republican uh, chairman in Northampton and took me down to the Republican headquarters where we had as a visitor, the Republican governor of, of Massachusetts. And my father, being a proud father, Put his little son up on the table and said, Governor, this is my son Jeff. And he voted today, didn't you? For the first time. I said, Yes, Daddy, I did. He said, Tell tell the governor who you voted for. What what Dad didn't realize was that I liked red more than yellow. Got it. Got it. And I said, Yes, Daddy, I voted for Adlai Stevenson and my poor father turned all shades of red, and the governor laughed like, you know, no tomorrow. So uh, I have been around this a while.
1: And have you, That's a nice historical story, but let's let's get to the issues now because we've got yes. to, two other things we've got to talk about. That is what you guys see as the issues coming up in this election and how they may have differed from the last one. And then finally, we're going to move in to talk about Iowa. So let's go to the issues now. Rajette, what do you see as the top issues for 2024?
0: For Pennsylvania, I think a lot of the issues are the same, For example, abortion rights are still legal in Pennsylvania. As I mentioned earlier, Democrats have done very well over the last couple of election cycles. And I believe that the U.S. Supreme Court, particularly uh, Trump's appointees when he was president, has been the gift to keep on giving to the Democratic Party. Um, Those rights are still legal here. And I believe that those issues are still going to be on the front. I mean, we won our Supreme uh, Court. (laughs) last year, along with all the other courts. The economy is always a big uh, issue. The economy has improved under President uh, Biden. With that said, a lot of people focus on what's in their own pocketbooks, not necessarily the numbers, um, the economy numbers. So as the, the party, we need to really start to tout what programs have been implemented under President Biden and what good they have been doing for the economy and for workers as a whole.
1: Absolutely. And I can tell you as your candidates, especially the ones I just heard, Democratic candidates for Congress going up against Perry, they were they were not too happy with the economy and they, everything is wrong with the United States because of Perry. And I wondered if they how they're going to spend that with in supporting President Biden as well. But, Jeffrey, you come on in here. What do you see the uh, the issues for 2020?
2: I agree to an extent with Rochette, the, the economy is always the issue. And there's a reason for it. Everybody, you, you know unlike political geeks like us, most people are living a normal life where they get up, they take care of their kids, they go, go to work, et cetera. They grocery shop, they pay for their gas. And that's where this always, irrespective of who's president, that is where this always hits home, is that they're seeing, uh, is is there inflation or is there not? Are they paying more for gas or are they not? And when or do they, they
1: have a job or do they not? At least that, now everybody's
2: that, got a job, right? That, that's okay. it. That's it. Exactly. And as you know, i worked for President Reagan and his classic question, which I think always applies in these situation. When he was debating uh, then President Carter in the debate, he turned in, in to the camera and said, are you better off than you were four years ago? And in essence, I think that is always the question, no matter yeah. who yeah. is president, that the opposition is going to ask some version of that question. I think Republicans will be asking that. Yeah. But I, guess,
1: I guess what Rajette is saying, too, that it's in this case, it's all it's not only the economy, although it is, but it's also women looking at themselves and saying, am I better off? Has this hurt me and my liberty and my you know, there are those issues that are really out there. And I guess health care uh, is, is another one. Um, people are going to want to hold on to that. It sounds like a lot more Americans have that old Obamacare. So I don't know. What are your thoughts about whether people are going to consider themselves? better off for this election than before. What do you think, Bridgette? Well, even with the, the economy, when you look at
0: wages, the minimum wage in Pennsylvania is the same as the federal, federal minimum wage, which is $7.25. We all know that living wage is completely different, which is around $24. So essentially, anyone making less than $24 is in hot water. With that said, it is the Democrat yeah. Party who yearly is introducing legislation and when we have control of the chamber is passing legislation to to raise that for workers to counter inflation and as we all know our elected officials get their yearly uh, cola <laughs> Uh, yeah. Very frequently, yeah. although the party raises, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. but there are uh, representatives uh, who do give their colas back. To be fair, so I do know there are electeds that yeah. don't take yeah. their, um, and they won't until the minimum wage increases as well. Um, so there are Jeff,
1: different. But, but, yeah, I was just going to ask Jeff to weigh in on this. What is the the why is aren't the Republican Party moving at all on this minimum wage? Nobody can pay that these days, and even retain workers they just make
2: it real well that that's a good question and yeah. uh, you, you know i i personally wish that the republicans in congress would be a little bit more active on some of these uh some of these things and get things done accomplished mission accomplished i mean i understand in the political lay of the land that they'd pa- they'll pass a b or c it'll go over to the senate and it'll die I, <laughs> I i i get that uh and as a matter of fact i was talking right before we came on the air Uh, I'm seeing this Fox News bulletin that U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican of Iowa, has been uh, sent to an area hospital to receive antibiotic uh, infusions and treatment for an infection. Well, God bless Senator Grassley. I've met him somewhere along the line. He's well into his 80s. If he's not well, God forbid, if anything happens, there is a political effect to that in terms of control of the United States Senate. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Man, yep. it's not it's only January here, Joyce. It's
1: only Jan- and we're already on a roller coaster. So let let's let's get to the final issue that we have to discuss because every the on of the mind is what happened in Iowa and what's about to happen in New Hampshire, right? <laughs> so what happened, Roget? What do you see as you look at what happened in Iowa with the Republican and the Democrat, right? What do you see? What's your analyst? It wasn't it wasn't a surprise to me. Um, to
0: me, the issue wasn't if uh, former President Trump was going to win Iowa. It was just by how much. I mean, I think it's fair to say yeah. that Donald Trump has changed the Republican the Republican Party. Um, um, the Republican just has. But I also want to keep in perspective, even though he got 50, 51% of the vote, only 14 around 14% of eligible voters actually went to the caucuses. We can blame that on the weather. We can blame that on whatever we want, but it was a low turnout, which obviously a, a low turnout helped him because, as we all know, Trumpsters, his base, is very, very fr- frantic about him, and they're going to go vote for him no matter what. So, if other members even of the even in frigid weather, they will get out. For- yes, I mean, fourteen percent came out, and they were his uh, his voters, even though I know Iowa had some bad weather. Um, if if yep. other members of the Republican Party want, in my opinion, a chance to win the presidency, you're going to have to come out and uh, they're going to have to come out and vote. What amazed me was with the entrance and exit polls, one of the questions asked was if Trump was convicted with these 91 counts that he's going up against right now, would he still be fit to be president? And 65% of those caucus goers said yes.
1: Jeff, let's pull you in.
2: Well, I think one of the problems there, which Rosette was just touching on in a way, is that uh, uh, millions of Americans have come to see the American political system as rigged, if you will. And uh, it's not just the political system, it's the legal system, it's the media, you know, on and on and on. So they look at these things that happen with Trump legally, and they think this is a bunch of Democrat leaning lawyers. Who are using the Justice Department or local government legal outfits in Atlanta or New York to go after and harass a uh, president that they don't like. And so and the irony of this is, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. The more these are legal there, troubles multiply, yeah. the higher his polls go. <laughs> right. Well,
1: <laughs> I, I mean I hear what you're saying, but the truth is, I mean, in these juries and the judge, they haven't all been Democrats. <laughs> Republicans too in this mix. I mean, it's not just a one-sided thing with regard to. Joyce,
2: uh, I mean, when you when you're talking juries in Atlanta, New York City, or Washington D.C., uh, I think Americans.
1: You're talking good American people. I'm not going to land. on am not people, but the that,
2: reputations
1: of those. A lot members.
2: of them are registered Democrats. <laughs>
1: but that makes them evil or corrupt or no, it not. Doesn't,
2: it doesn't <laughs> make them evil. It makes them no. political.
1: No, no, not necessarily, because as you pointed out, most people are just average, everyday Americans going about trying you. to do their jobs. So the only concern I have there is, is, is what yeah. you said about it's a corrupt system. Well, if it's corrupt, it means America. I mean, all America. It's not just one side. It's everybody. I mean, I think that's what Trump supporters want okay, people to
0: so- believe, is that it's a corrupt system. Because again, those election deniers are trying to say that President Biden isn't a legitimate president. Well, we all know he is. Uh, With that said, in the past, people who have been election deniers all lose their elections. So, I mean, I guess continue continue to be one, in a sense. Um, I will admit that I do think President Trump probably won as big as he did because, again, his supporters, it's almost like David versus Goliath. They see the the um, legal challenges as, quote, the establishment against him. Um, So they're coming out to vote for him to make sure he is the nominee. Um, I'm personally confident that President Biden will beat Donald Trump for the second time. Um, In fact, I think a lot of Americans probably would like to see a different uh, matchup. With that said, Uh his base is so excited against him. That they're gonna come out and prove to everyone that we want him, he's he's gonna be who it is.
2: I, I just wanna ask my friend Rogette that when it comes to election deniers, if she would please stop picking on Hillary Clinton. Yes. Did Hillary Clinton
1: deny the election? When that, I don't I don't get that one, Jeffrey. Sorry. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. She said that the Russians did it. That that he was not uh, a legitimate president. On and on and on she went, and I think so. Goes. She so.
1: Okay. Well, let let's move on. Let's because we still have the one thing. What do you foresee for New Hampshire? I mean, that's coming up. And uh, what 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 do you see when you look into the crystal ball, Jeff?
2: Um, I, I think Trump will win, but it's a different kind of state. And you know they, they have this quirky thing there, Joyce. I've been studying up on this that voters can show up and declare themselves an undeclared voter, which gives them the ability to vote in either the Democrat or Republican primary at will. And there have been some stories out there that there are Democrats thinking they're going to show up, uh, as many of them as possible, declare themselves that way, then go in and vote for Nikki Haley, which I thought was was interesting. But... uh, Thank goodness we don't have that in Pennsylvania.
1: <laughs> is, is that a serious threat, you think, Rogette? Have you heard of that? Or is that another? Uh, I could not hear him. What did he say? Oh. Well, oh, I that- said
2: that in New Hampshire, they have this thing called undeclared voter. And you can show up at the polls on election day and declare yourself an undeclared voter and vote in either the Republican or Democratic primary. Well, when
1: they're going to vote for
0: Nikki
2: Haley, He said. I thought Democrats would well, vote for Nikki Haley. Well, I know Nikki
0: Haley. Haley is trying to make this a two-person race between her and Trump. Um, I personally think she's trying right. to set herself up for 2028 uh, to be able to be the Republican uh, nominee. Um,
1: I think I she's folks, kind of set Governor herself DeSantis up this
2: for the next that, time uh, in my...
0: um, versus, versus this right. time.
1: Four years is a long time, so eight is even, I mean, who knows what the world, AI will be president. and, and know, She George,
0: has to what, win and she wants other, to continue. Other, She's going to have to win in New Hampshire for sure. Um, I definitely don't see Ron well, winning
2: winning um, at all. I often compare presidential politics to Major League Baseball in this sense. If you're a, a, a real star of your high school baseball team, the Yankees and the Red Sox or whomever are not going to come calling for you. What's going to happen is a farm team will come and snap you up. Then, if you turn out to be a good player on the farm team with your peers of the same talent, then the Yankees and Red Sox will come calling and pick you up. I think that today, or yesterday, whenever this was, we saw in Vivek Ramaswamy, somebody just like that. I think he he made a good impression. I don't think by any chance we've heard the last of this. I think he's going to be around for a good long while, and with some additional seasoning and holding a public office, if Trump wins— I can easily see him being given a cabinet position or a senior White House staff position. I can see him running for office wherever he lives. So I don't think we've heard the last of that. And it's oh, just goodness
1: you do have a vivid imagination. <laughs> Very good. Listen, unfortunately, we have to end it here. We have to call it off, but we're going to have weeks ahead of us to debate these issues and to look into our crystal balls and tell the world what's going to happen. So with that, I'm going to thank Rajette and Jeffrey, and let's continue the battleground next week. See you later. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.